Welcome to the Beyond the Clouds podcast. I'm Katie Dalmas, a grieving loved one. Where we have vulnerable, tear-jerking, heartfelt and inspiring conversations with people who have been given their expiration date. This series will explore the difficult conversations and raw emotions around knowing you're going to die and the new reality in accepting the inevitable. I'm here to help tell their story in their own voice. These conversations are something I would have loved to have captured from my beautiful mother before she passed away. So I'm here to bring insight and comfort to you and your loved ones during the journey that lies ahead. Today on the podcast, we have Jen. Jen is a friend of the lovely Cell, and she so kindly introduced me to her, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As I got to know more about her, her strength, resilience, and positivity radiated, and it is truly infectious. Jen has had quite the experience with illness in her lifetime and takes it all in her stride. Now, Jen, I'd love for the listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. So yeah, jump on in and tell us who you are. Sure. So um, I'm Jen. I'm 36, live in the inner West End Sydney, kind of born and bred. I work for a software startup in sales, hip-hop, into sneakers, anything hip-hop related really. Um, I love animals. I love cats. I love dogs. I'm the person that will stop and pat every dog ever. So if you <laughs> ever go for a walk with me, you'll be annoyed. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah, I can relate to the dog petting. Like, it is so hard not to. <laughs> Dogs bring the happiness to the world right now. Oh, absolutely. It's just it, the, the daily routine is so limited. When you get out there and see a dog you haven't met and they're so excited to see you, yeah. enjoying yeah. every second of it. <laughs> absolutely. So obviously you are a guest on the Beyond the Clouds podcast and here we take a bit of a deep dive into uh, individuals' experiences with terminal and chronic illnesses. So I guess what is your personal experience with this? Uh, I've had health issues ranging back to about year 11. At the start, they sort of started as like women's issues, like endometriosis and things like that. But um a lot of it for a long time was misdiagnosed or undiagnosed or doctors telling me it was in my head and what have you. Maybe in about 2010, um, I started to get a lot worse. Um, I started getting every infection you could get. At one stage, I had an eye infection in both eyes plus the flu plus something else, and it was just a mess. So finally, at that point, um, the doctor, my GP was able to detect that um, I had a a blood condition called hypergammaglobulinemia, uh, which basically just meant that my immune system wasn't doing producing the cells it needed to produce to fight infection. So from there, I um, started getting intragam infusions, which is a blood product, which basically boosts your immune system. And I get that every four weeks. Everything started to get better, which was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, everything started to get much, much worse undiagnosed doctors really weren't listening to me I thought I guess they thought I was being a bit of a hypochondriac until one day when I was (laughs) infuriating yeah what it is knowing something's wrong and just feeling terrible (laughs) and not being able to get yeah something done I just honestly I thought it was in my head by the end of it and I thought I was going crazy so did my routine blood test as part of my transfusion and um, it turned out my kidneys had been failing and my heart was failing so I was immediately 
checked into the hospital as a patient. Um, they did a bone marrow biopsy. Um, and a day later, I was diagnosed with advanced stage multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. Wow. That is a lot for one person to deal with over such a short and intense period. It started when you were so young, I guess. And when it started back then, like, what was your exposure to, to ill health? Um, was it something that was common? Did you know many other people going through what you were going through at that young age? Not really. Um, I had a close family friend who I grew up with. She passed away when she was 14 of cancer, of leukaemia. Um, so that was kind of my first gl glimpse of that sort of thing. Obviously, I, I was young. I was about 13. So I didn't really, other than grieving my friend, I didn't think much of it. Um, but other than that, not really. Um, my, my family were pretty healthy, all things considered. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it would have been such a confusing time. And then to, you know, trying to be advocating for yourself and getting these answers and trying to feel better, but not being able to get anywhere with it. What did you, like, what did you think was the biggest barrier there was it a lack of awareness a lack of understanding because I mean now we're fortunate that there is a big movement with a big focus on women's health and health in general but I guess what was yeah your experience back to that then and what do you think the biggest barriers were I think for me my particular cancer predominantly affects men who are over 60 I, I was 26 years old so I was the youngest in the country well one of the youngest in the country at the time and still one of the youngest in the country to have ever been diagnosed with the disease um, so I guess they just didn't think to look of it look at look at look for it I suppose um which 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 sucked but it, I mean it is what it is ultimately in the end they found it and here I am so I try not to dwell on that too much they did the right thing by me once they discovered what it was. So there's no point dwelling on the negative stuff from the past. It's never going to get you anywhere. That's such a powerful perspective to have. And yeah, it really would help you get through what is such an already challenging experience. And how did it feel to finally receive that diagnosis? How did it feel to hear that big dreaded C word at such a young age? It was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I, I remember vividly being in the hospital bed and I had my parents around me and the doctor came in to give the diagnosis. And as he gave it, it was kind of like the movies where everything else went blurry and it was a bit tunnel vision. I just, could, honestly, it was exactly like the movies. But strangely enough, I suppose, because I went for a, such a long time undiagnosed, thought I was going crazy, thought I was the problem. I, ha I genuinely felt a giant sense of relief. I finally felt that, okay, I'm not going crazy. I validated myself and at least I had a path forward to start to feel better. The hardest part about the diagnosis for me was the fact that the cancer I have is incurable. So going through chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant will be something I've already done twice and I'm likely to need to do several more times given my age through the rest of my life. So that's the hardest part to deal with. But all in all, like, to be honest, I wouldn't take it back. It's made me a much better person. It's made me a stronger person. It's made me a more confident person. In all fairness, and I know it sounds cliched, it, in, in some ways it was the best thing that could have happened to me, particularly at the time. I, but there's some really emotive and powerful words there that you use to describe this experience, like feeling validated and like it made you a much better and confident person. In what ways did that 
play out for you? Because I think that could be an incredibly empowering thing for listeners to hear who might be going through exactly or similar, not exactly, but, you know, a similar thing to what you've experienced. So, yeah, if you could touch on how that made you like more confident and feel like a much better person. Yeah. I suppose it, it varies from obviously person to person, diagnosis to diagnosis. For me, it never once, despite the fact that I was very, very sick and if I hadn't have been diagnosed, it wouldn't have ended the way, well, it would have ended basically, but it never once crossed my mind that I was going to die. I, I was very much in the mind frame and this is something someone said to me years before that cancer is a word and not a sentence and I very much tried to make that my mantra the whole way through. Um, and the fact that I was able to succumb, not succumb, I was able to, what's the opposite of succumb? <laughs> I was able to pro- progress and flourish Overcome. regardless of it. Just, yeah, despite despite it, it, how could you not be more empowered and more strong as a result of that? I I think you, you summed it up really well with that, that phrase there with cancer is a word and not a sentence and how you carried that through and your actions and your perspective and your response is just admirable. And like I said, when I was introducing you, like your resilience and your strength radiates and in speaking to you and, and diving into this more, it's just more and more evident. And it's, I'm empowered. I'm inspired so much by speaking to you. I suppose it's the reason I, I um, was happy to do the podcast with you. It's like, I'm not one that sits here and I'm, I'm not a victim. I'm not, I feel sorry for me, but I mean, if, if I can help even one person deal with this, it's worth it. So, and even that's you. I mean, I know you've been through some stuff yourself. So if I can even help you, then it, it's definitely worth it. That is really big hearted and kind and a really special thing to come across in somebody. So I'm very grateful that we have connected. Chronic illness that is incurable. How has that affected your maybe day to day life or future life planning? Is there things you're like, you know what, I'm adamant to do this. It's not going to stop me from doing that. Has it, do you think you have maybe a different perspective from most people who wouldn't have experienced what you have? Absolutely. It's very up and down for me. Like I'm, I'm human. I'm going to have moments where I feel defeated, obviously. Um, but all in more, I've tried to, for example, I was terrified of heights, absolutely terrified. My friends will tell you that if I stood on top of a couch, I'd feel like I was going to shoot myself. Sorry, part of my language. <laughs> um, okay. So after the diagnosis of cancer on my 30th birthday, I jumped out of a plane. Um, I'm, I'm just all about not letting life defeat me not letting cancer define me. And yes, I have moments that there are certain elements of my life that have been impacted negatively. Um, I struggle with relationships because of it. I Future planning, it's hard for me. I, I have trust issues when it comes to feeling too positive about anything. I'm much more of a realist. I wouldn't say I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist. So I'm very much, rather than future planning, I'm very much, okay, this is me. I'm in this day. I'm in the now. Okay, let's make, let's rock the now. Life is so is forcing us all to be a bit day by day at the moment. But yeah, living that way in general is it's not always easy, but it makes you, I guess, yeah, appreciate the small things and and a brilliant example of your strength again in not letting it defeat and define you is it's like we should, I guess, hopefully look at most learning challenging situations 
with those words in mind. You mentioned that you've struggled with you struggle with relationships in in particular because of your circumstances and experiencing your ill health peaking in you know your teens and your early twenties in those pivotal sociable years. Yeah, how has it impacted those? What are those struggles that you experience? Again, it's twofold in terms of friendships and even family. It absolutely has made things better. Um, didn't have the best relationship with my mother growing up, but this made us stronger. My friends, I know who my friends are. I know who I'm bothering to put my time towards, take everyone with a grain of salt if they're not worth my time. But on the other side, relationships in terms of partnerships with, with men, I mean, I struggle with it because, because of the age I was diagnosed and the age I am, I am even now, anyone who's single my age is at least contemplating, contemplating, sorry, children and that's because of the treatment I've had it's not something I can give them so that's always been I mean some of it might be in my head and might be me worrying about it too much but it has really affected me my confidence in that sense even just dating I mean when do you bring up the fact you have an incurable cancer when do you bring that up I don't it's something it's a bit of a trial and error and it is a bit damaging to the old self-esteem but yeah you just got to do it I mean life's too short to not do it so I've been trialing different methods recently I've had some success I've had some failure but all you can do is keep trying I suppose yeah and I guess do you feel comfortable sharing what those methods are it might help somebody else who finds yeah, themselves yeah. in a similar situation <laughs> sure. so like it started off like okay I'm not going to mention it till we've been dating for a certain period of time and I feel that we're vulnerable enough and a, a few times that's really blown up in my face not everyone is um, as well adjusted or I don't know, can handle these sorts of things, I suppose. And I've had people ghost me and run away. Um, my most recent method, which I have had success with, is, for example, if you're talking on Tinder or on Hinge or something, um, when you get to the point where they want to meet up, I use the fact that my hair's gone short as an excuse. I don't look like my photos anymore because I had some health issues last year. Don't have my hair, just a heads up. That way, at least it's out there. If they want to ask you questions about it, great. You can talk about it. If not, just let it linger until you're ready to talk about it. But at least it's been broached. You weed out the people that aren't going to be able to handle it pretty early on. So you did say that due to your treatments, the ability to have children has been taken from you at such a young age where you might not have even fully decided if you had or hadn't wanted them. How does that feel? How has that affected you? Having children is the only thing in my whole life that I ever knew that I wanted in the long term. So uh, because I was basically put onto chemotherapy within like 12 hours of being diagnosed with cancer, uh, I had no option to freeze eggs. I had no options really and um, was basically told it's not the priority, which is fair. Um, and, and that's of the whole experience, that's what I've mourned the most. I still grapple with it. Like, for example, I have, I have a cat. I mean, he's just a cat but like I see how much I love the cat. Like if you held me and the cat over a cliff, absolutely I'd say let me go save the cat. I love the cat. And I what think, is his cat's I think name? MJ because he's black and white. But I think I feel this way towards a cat. I can't even comprehend the love that I would feel and the joy I would get from my own child and that is very, very hard to grapple with. It's something I'm more on a lot 
it took me a long time to be able to really relax and be happy around my friend's kids. And my niece was born very soon after my hysterectomy. But ultimately, uh, you play with the cards you were dealt. So I just make the most of the kids that are around me. Uh, make sure that they know that Auntie Jen's the best auntie. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It, it, it's certainly the thing I get the most emotional about. I'm not a big crier, but I've certainly had a lot of a lot of tears shed about that. Yeah, that's a big thing as a woman to have stripped. And like you said, you that's the one thing you were sure on in life. And and to have it stripped at the childbearing ages, like it, yeah, it's just seems it's just it is one of those things that is so unfair it is just it's a bit cruel like it's strong as you know people can be in the face of their illnesses and their diseases there is always those gut-wrenching cruel aspects where it's like oh like this sucks there has been a lot of questioning as why me victim questioning or that's not why me questioning I suppose about it especially like you see terrible people junkies what have you bearing kid after kid after kid into welfare into and you're just it's it's very much a why me thing but I mean there's you can't keep dwelling on that because it's never gonna make you feel better so I try not to I have explored options in terms of adoption um unfortunately I have an incurable cancer so it's unlikely (sighs) even fostering I don't think I could give the kid back to a family that abused it. So I think that that would be even worse for me. So right now I'm just going to enjoy the kids and the dogs in my life and the cats in my life and um, try and change what my life goal or life priority is going to be, I suppose. But, yeah, it's definitely something that I still I still struggle with. It's, it's a big thing. And, I mean, you're human. And to have those why me and this hurts and this is unfair moments are to be, you know, expected. Like you are human and it's a big thing to process and it's a big thing to go through and, you know, have constant, like there's always reminders of that, you know, when there's a baby announcement or a birth or. Especially especially at our age, especially at our age. People ask you, why aren't you having kids? reason I couldn't have kids is because basically the chemotherapy destroys your eggs and um, it it essentially puts you into early menopause. Mm. And um, I don't know about you, but I didn't learn really much about menopause at all in school. You learn about your periods. I didn't learn about menopause. And I'll tell you what, menopause sucks. (laughs) Be prepared, ladies. Menopause sucks. All in all, I'm okay. All in all, my mantra in life is it is what it is. It's how I get through everything. It's how I'm getting through the pandemic. It's how I'm getting through everything that's going on in the world. It is what it is. You dwell too much on things you can't help, things you can't change. It's only going to put you into a pit of depression and you can't get out of it because you can't help it. So I very much reframing what's concerning me to things that I can actually do anything about really. Yeah, and it's. I feel like that's a very stoic response. Like if you're familiar with stoicism, I'm a big fan. Absolutely, me too. Yeah, and I feel like it's a really good guiding compass in life is some of those lessons that are there in stoicism and they are very, very hard to practice at times. Absolutely. Yeah, it is important that, 
you know, we can only control what is in our control. And I think a lot of people have had that really front and centre, whether they like it or not with the current circumstance. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's hard. I mean, if unless you truly believe it is what it is and it takes a long time to truly believe it is what it is, but I saw I it to anyone who's listening, if you can start to genuinely believe that mantra, you're going to be a lot a lot a lot happier a much happier person because why sweat the things you can't help you're not going to be able to do anything about it it's only going to spiral for you so yes as Kanye says (laughs) yes quite literally like we only live once and you know the quality of that life is also not guaranteed to always allow you to live it to the fullest the only thing we are guaranteed is the moment that we are living in right now and you know showing up to that moment as the best you can be or you know are trying to be is all you can do in each moment that's right to the fullest to the capability that you can you and your situation allows you to live it to the fullest don't compare yourself to other people because that's just never going to end well for you that you do have sound like they are incredibly supportive fantastically yep what are some of the ways that their your friends show their support to you um my be- one of my best friends um I won't I won't mention her name on here but one of my <laughs> best friends um she took it upon herself when I was diagnosed to set up a benefit for me um, she had businesses donate money to me. She had businesses donate items to me. She had a massive party for me. Um, it was very overwhelming, but it was incredible. Um, all my friends came. They bid on items. Ridiculous amount. Like I think someone paid like $200 for a bottle of Jack Daniels. It was ridiculous. Um, all for me, a ton of money. I mean, incredibly honoring embarrassing a little bit I suppose because I'm just I'm not I'm not the kind of person that asks for help I don't not just my friend (laughs) not just my friend that organized it but then all of the people that came and gave and the love it's overwhelming I mean humbling humbling absolutely humbling I think you deserve every bit of that and that's incredible like what an amazing friend what an amazing all my friends are incredible yeah it sounds like it I mean there was one right like brilliant idea from one and then a a community of them came to support you which absolutely I mean my mother shaped my mother's very vain like bless her soul but she's like a very vain old American Italian lady (laughs) she shaved her head in front of her whole workplace her school just for shave a cure just to support me I mean I'd never in a million years would have thought she would have done that and yeah I've been how can I not think I'm lucky wow like I have like emotional happy tears hearing that I think it's one of the silver linings or mm, things that keep you going when there's those that sense of connection community and deep knowing that you have a tribe you have people there and they're going to go to great lengths to get you through something that you need that community to get through like it's it's a tough battle to do on your own since this has been important do you find it's a bit easier to accept help now yes and no yes and no I'm, I'm fiercely fiercely independent to a fault when it comes to relationships partnerships I'm not good at it 
I'm not good at, I, I guess, yeah, look, I'm, I'm still not good at taking help. I try to from certain people. Like, I guess it depends who the person is and what the help is. I don't ask for help very often, but I try to take it if it's offered to me. When you are having, say, a really rough day, maybe you're coming up to a time where you need to get another infusion or your health is struggling and you're just feeling that defeated feeling that you mentioned previously, what is what is it that helps most in those moments? And I ask this because there may be a friend listening to this and maybe their best friend has just been diagnosed with something and they're not sure how to show up for them. For me, uh, as, as the patient, I suppose, I mean, I can't recommend therapy to any anymore. Like I think almost it should be mandated for absolutely every person in the world. But if you're going through this and you're not seeing a therapist, you're just missing so much you're just missing so much so I mean that's something I would definitely preach um a gratitude journal as well like every day you might wake up and things might be crap but you know there are some still good things you've got friends around you've got family around you you're still pushing through you've got a support team who are helping you medically like try and I'm a strong believer that a positive mind leads to positive health if you live negatively through your your um chemotherapy or whatever it may be, you might not have the same progress that someone who is thinking positively might have. I'm a firm believer in that. So if you're not, if, you, if it's too hard to be positive and I get it, sometimes it's too hard to be positive, at least be um, op, not optimistic, at least be a realist. You're not dead. You're, you're on the right track, I suppose. In terms of other people, it's a lot harder. I, I, um, I stand by the fact that I think for me, at least, my cancer was a lot harder on my parents and my close, my friends that are closest to me than it was on me. I think my father particularly did not cope. Um, I, I think it's a lot harder on other people because they just they feel helpless, I suppose. So all I can suggest is rather than running away because you feel helpless, which is what some people do, and I understand that's just how people deal with it, at least send a text message and say, I'm thinking of you. Just something so they know that you're not forgotten they're not forgotten sorry um that's the only advice I can kind of give I think that was incredibly insightful and really helpful and you touched on some themes there that even but from my experience I know definitely come up so my mum was diagnosed she had cervical cancer and was very ill and me and my four younger sisters were her carers and her main priority the whole time or the only thing that was front of mind for her was like like how is everybody else doing like don't take care of me take care of yourselves and a lot of guilt around that not wanting to feel like I don't want to say the word burden but that was how she felt yeah yeah um absolutely and yeah and it comes up it plays again like what you experienced with your parents and your friends and yeah how did that feel for you and how did you cope with that as I said I mean I'm incredibly independent so when you have people who are desperate to try and help you and coddle you, I, I, I struggle with it. I mean, I moved out of home when I was 17 years old. I'm very much, I went to most of my appointments on my own. I went to most of my scans and everything on my own. So I'm, yes, I have people to support me, but I am very independent. So I did struggle with it. My father, as I said, my father particularly, my father, I'll give a bit of context. My father in a lot of ways was the only person in the entire world to know me completely adored my father anyone who knows my father knows that he he was an incredible incredible man (laughs) 
a bit of a story for story. So we, I had the shakes as a result of the chemotherapy and I just kept shaking. So we had a doctor's appointment with my hematologist and he gave me some medicine to try and help it. So we went to the shops to get the medicine. We're in the food court. And I said, I was going to go to the chemist. And my dad's like, I'm going to come with you. And I'm like, F off. I can do this myself. I'm doing it. Let me just do it. We had a bit of a fight. Ultimately, I got my way and I went. Two hours later, my father gets a phone call from my mother saying that um, she got a phone call from the hospital because I'd been put in an ambulance because I had a seizure. Um, two grand mal seizures in the chemist. Um, my dad never recovered from that. It, yeah, our relationship wasn't the same. Nothing was the same after that because I just think the guilt, the fact he felt like he couldn't protect me, it broke my heart because, you know, I love my father. But, yeah, so I think it's as ultimately the end of the story is and it's just, for me, so much harder on the other people because at least when you're the patient, okay, you've got one job is to follow the instructions of the doctor and just keep well and you know what you have to do and that's all you have to do, whereas at least other people don't know what they, what they can do and it, it's hard. How do you think your perspective on life and maybe what really matters or where you invest your time and energy would differ from somebody who hasn't maybe had to look death or illness as closely in the face as you have? I suppose... I mean, I can't speak on other people's behalf, but if I compare me now to me before I was diagnosed, um, I don't care about the small things anymore. I don't really care what people think of me anymore. I'm very much myself. I'm an open book, as you can see. I'm authentic. Um, I don't censor myself like I used to. I'm very much of the mind frame that I am what I am and if you don't like it, F off. Never used to be like that. I used to really care what people thought. Um, not to say I don't care what people I care about think, but mm -hmm. generally speaking, if I don't know you and you're going to be an asshole, well, that's your fucking problem. Um, yep. <laughs> I suppose that's a big part of it. Believing in myself. I think you're faced with something like cancer and as much as I'm very much like I don't think I did a whole lot, I kind of did what I was told in terms of my treatment. Um, the fact that I have come out at the end of it twice um, better than I was before has made me a stronger person. So I think anyone who faces any adversity is going to be a stronger person probably than someone who hasn't, has, hasn't really faced much in their life, whatever that is. Yeah, I think, I think it's just you reframe and reframe what's important. What is important to you? My health, my friends and my family. Um, being a good person is important to me. They're the main things. Like I, I don't, I'm not, yeah, they're the main things. It's just th things that are important to me are things that are going to be important for my or anyone's whole life really. Like I try not to waste my not waste my time that's not that's not fair I try, I try not to put my time to things that aren't going to necessarily benefit me in the long term and friends family and health are the three things I suppose that are going to continually benefit me so I'm going to put my time effort and love into it I very much agree I think if you haven't got your health 
what have you got? Because that can really just knock you down and keep you down. And then when you are, you know, up and able to enjoy life, it's the people around you that are the most important thing. I want to go back or pick up something that you said before and you urged therapy or you said therapy is something that all people should have in their little toolbox to get through life. What does like therapy for me a number of things come to mind you can have art therapy you can have counseling seeing psychologists therapy can look so different now there's so many different ways so what um therapy have you done and found to be the most supportive or helpful I've seen lots of different psychologists and counsellors in my life um I think first and foremost it's important you find whatever that is to suit you specifically for me, I'm as you can tell, I'm, I'm an open person. I'm not dumb. I don't want someone that's going to placate me. I just I want someone who's going to tell me how it is. Just rip the bandaid off and tell me if I'm being stupid. I have that now, and she's absolutely fantastic. And you just need someone. She's a psychologist, um, and she just helps me talk it through. Like even if at the end of the session, she's like, "You probably didn't need to do that. You're doing everything right anyway." But talking through it, validating myself, just to myself, not even for her opinion makes makes it so much easier teaching you ways to deal with things teaching you how to reframe reframing is just something that everyone needs to learn it's just sort of basic life toolkit that's going to help you get through so very much of the if I was the president of the world I'd mandate psychology to absolutely everybody because it's if you're not mentally healthy mate you're not going to be physically healthy uh, ain't that the truth you know what Jen if you ever go for president of the world you've got my vote <laughs> so you mentioned you had like a number of psychologists um was it just a matter of like you were trying to find the right one that you needed during that stage of life because for a lot of people that that thought can be quite daunting to be like you know I'm going to go speak to a professional um or even to admit that or even be able to access it is quite challenging for some people absolutely yeah like how was your experience with that as I said, I've spoken to several in my life. This particular one I'm speaking with now, I've been talking to probably going on four or five years now. It's been a while. Like not regularly, just whenever I need it, I just drop her a note and set an appointment. Um, I just think it's important to find one that you feel comfortable with because there's been plenty I've spoken to who have been like like real stiffs, for example, like real like I'm a professor and like I don't, I'm not going to relate to that person or people who just really placate me don't placate me. If I'm being a dickhead, tell me I'm being a dickhead. If I'm talking crap, pull me up on my crap. I'm very much, I'm very authentic. And I, I want to be, if I'm being stupid, tell me I'm being stupid. Um, but not everyone's like that. No one, not everyone wants to be told that they're being stupid. Not everyone is, that's not how they deal with things. So it's just, some, it is a trial and error. And you might find a couple that you're like, oh my God, I don't want to ever do that again, but keep trying because you will find someone who does make everything better. Like honestly, everything better. Yeah, I can back that up. Like in my journey, there's been a number of them, counsellors, psychologists, this, yeah, that, yeah. and it is trial and error, but it, it's always been yeah. worth it And Like it's Absolutely. worth Absolutely. every investment. Absolutely. Like it's just a tool. As you said, it's in your toolbox, your life toolbox, and I just, it's, it's such a pity that it's some people still view it as taboo or uncool or like, or you're weak. Do not, if, if anything, I think you're stronger if you can go admit that you need help. So 
Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's it can make everything better, even if all you've done is go and let some of those emotions out because I feel like suppressing, distracting, absolutely numbing. We're all getting guilty of it, absolutely all guilty of it. But mm-hmm. once you actually get it off your chest and you talk it through, you're inevitably going to feel better. So, yeah. Definitely. Very much share that sentiment. So... Well, you might have given it before in your, like, it is what it is mantra, but if you could give one piece of advice from your perspective on life, what would that be? Probably it is what it is, honestly. Like, I, I've i even knocked that into my mom's head. Like, it's just being able to genuinely start to believe that being able to, every time I start to have a negative thought about something, every time I'm like, oh, damn, you know, Gladys hasn't handled this right. You know what? It is what it is. If I'm worrying about what she could have done, but I can't help that, it's only going to send me in a spiral, making me more depressed and more angry, which isn't, it's not going to help me. So it is what it is. Deal with what you can deal with. Deal with the now. Don't deal with the past. And just make you more well-adjusted, really. It is probably my biggest piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that insight. I think, yeah, driving that home is so important. And just remembering that, you know, in our day-to-day, sometimes you might need to remind yourself daily that at the moment. Absolutely. It is. Even I still need to remind myself of it. Like I have my moments where I think unhealthily, but just got to snap yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful words of wisdom and insight and your vulnerability. I truly am like grateful and I think anybody who listens is better off having heard about you from you. I'd like to thank you. Uh, It's been very cathartic. It's been good to get it off my chest and I appreciate the opportunity. Um, Also, I'd like to thank all of the doctors and nursing staff at both RPA Hospital and Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. Um, My life has been in their hands for, what, 12 years now almost and um, it just where I am now because of them so their empathy their kindness um their hard-working attitude has really helped me and thousands of other people so I'd like to send a big thank you to them all my love I think that's really beautiful and you know important to do I would also like to extend my thanks to them because what the work that they do is amazing and it saves or prolongs so many lives so if anybody listening is a nurse, a doctor works in that field. Thank you. And if you are a listener and you know somebody who does, you know what, tell them they're going to doing a good job from time to time. Tell them what they're doing is appreciated because it has an amazing impact on so many lives. So thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. The things we discussed today may have been upsetting or triggering. If you are struggling, please be sure to reach out to a trusted person or professional. If you are or know someone who is dying or facing the loss of a loved one, please see the Beyond the Clouds website for a list of resources and services available to you. Beyond the Clouds would love to share your story as well. You can do so by sharing a blog post on our website, beyondtheclouds.online.com, or you can also reach out through the website if you want to be a podcast guest. There's really simple and easy forms to follow on the website, and I look forward to hearing from you. I'm Katie Dalmas, the founder of Beyond the Clouds, 
At Beyond the Clouds, we understand that when you're facing the loss of a loved one or grieving a loved one, it can feel like a dark cloud is hanging over you. Our purpose is to help you see through that and shine a light on terminally ill, their voice and their message. 